This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. Welcome to the Offbeat Inklings podcast. That's right. Back by no popular demand, just because uh, we got those uh, Regal Unlimited passes so we can see more movies now. We thought maybe this would be a good idea to bring this back. There's somewhere we have to talk about movies, so why not here? Right. So here we are. I am your host, Seth Colgrove, and I'm joined today, actually, by a star of the movie Joker. Can you believe that? He was he played audience member number four, but this was not his first foray into the Batman universe because not only was he in this modern classic called Joker, but he was also park bench sitter number two in an episode of Gotham. Thank you for joining me, Justin Van yeah, Morris. I'm, I'm, I'm especially proud of that park bench uh uh, scene. It was a quite a powerful, <laughs> quite a powerful scene. Long day. It was very. It was a tough shoot because it was a wooden bench, so it was very painful having to sit there for a very long time. But no, I can uh, yeah. Well, so what he's saying is actually not a joke. So the movie that we're reviewing today, Joker, I am actually in, and uh, we'll. I guess we'll get to that uh, a little later on in the show. Yes, we will be resurrecting this podcast with the review of Joker. But in all seriousness, we are not only film enthusiasts, but have we have experience in the industry. Let me put it that way. My IMDb, yeah, it looks all right. And Justin here has made two feature films. So you're talking to two pros right now. Yeah, so, you know, you should respect, you may not know who we are, but you should respect our opinions and that's why <laughs> we're doing this podcast and uh, so you you know we felt that it was our duty to you to for you to hear what we have to say uh about uh film and uh this particular film uh, in general you're welcome yeah and absent today is our third host keaton weiss who in the time that we have ceased doing this podcast, has had twins. So um, a big congratulations to him. He is off in Vermont, but we'll be back on a future episode, hopefully. Yeah, if we like review Puppy Patrol or something like that. <laughs> I don't know uh, how uh, how often he's going to be able to get out and uh, view an adult film, but you know, we'll bring him in uh, when he is able. So we are here today to talk about Joker a much-talked-about movie. The buzz is hot. And initially, I was a little hesitant about this film because I hate when the marketing and the headlines are trying to tell you this movie's a big deal. And it's just like, I don't care that much. But by the end of it, it was, a I thought, a pretty thought-provoking film. So, you know, I went on a weekday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon by myself and... And I had a giant Chipotle burrito 
bulging out of one pocket and a water bottle out of the other. So all of these talks of mass shootings, I thought I I really appeared uh, a likely candidate, but you know, there's four people in the theater, so that would have been a pretty pathetic haul. Um, well, Chipotle could be used as a weapon uh, as well, uh, <laughs> depending on who you are. But uh, yeah, yeah, you fit the profile alone white man at a movie you know you never know what's going to go down you might be part of that incel culture that they're uh, talking about right now <laughs> but yeah we should get into um our thoughts on joker uh do you want to go first yeah sure well i mean just to kind of piggyback uh off what you said about how like uh the buzz in this movie has been uh very very good uh, i didn't expect it to be that good um i had known for a while with the kind of tone they were going for and what kind of movie they were kind of um taking cues from and the fact that uh i was there for two major scenes so unfortunately the movie uh by happenstance had been largely spoiled for me we filmed this movie about uh when i say we i don't really mean we but uh, go with me uh, when i say we <laughs> i had really nothing to do with the movie but i was there so you, you might hear me referencing uh uh we a lot but yeah we we shot the movie uh, a year ago um uh, uh late october uh was when i uh, had a a couple days on the movie as a, a background extra and so I uh, I was privy to a lot of the stuff that was going on uh, in the movie, which I had known about for the last year, but uh, only in the last couple of months it's gotten a lot of notoriety because it won Best Picture at the Venice Film Festival. Um, and so there's this really like, this buzz uh, really going into seeing this. The reviews in the States, though, came out were decidedly more mixed, and I believe it's now 68% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which... Oh, wow. Uh, for those of you that are paying attention, I believe Jennifer Lopez's Hustlers movie has an 88% <laughs> approval rating. Supposedly that movie is very, very good. Uh, so it has not been as well received in the States as it has been in Europe. Uh, that might be a different, um, I don't know, uh, different aesthetic there. But uh, the critics are a little bit more harsher on it here. It's still generally... Uh, more positive than mixed, uh, uh, but uh, and my audience that I saw it seemed to really, really like it, despite the fact that it is not a um, a typical like superhero movie. I mean, it's really weird. It's like it's it's a really a stroke of genius. Uh, it's like they took this is made for about thirty five million dollars, and they took like this this story and just kind of made this almost like indie film that people would not go to see let alone they wouldn't even make today. And they kind of like, you know, made it into a comic book movie and took one of the most famous characters in comic book history or in film history and kind of made this like indie film around them that like people who had, people who um, read comics probably wouldn't go see. They're only going to go see this movie because it's a movie about the Joker. But it's, it's really different from anything that we've seen him uh, in before. Uh, so it's a really great con for the audience to get people to come to this movie. And it made so much money. Uh, they're going to recoup that $35 million uh, back uh, several times over. And w at the end of the movie, the, the, the screen that I saw, the audience applauded. So you think that maybe it's not for the mainstream public, but my audience sure did like it. And I did too. I thought it was a very good movie. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a masterpiece as as people are hailing it. I, I do think that it had some issues. I, I do have some problems with it, but I think that it was a very good and effective movie. And um, I think I might have some problems with the story or anything like that, but the the performance by Walking Phoenix is is fantastic and enough to carry that movie despite any flaws it may have. Now, what did you think? It's a movie that I certainly respect and I would even recommend, but I don't feel like it was a film that was enjoyable or entertaining. It was, well, maybe entertaining, but it was, um, I think it's a worthwhile cinematic experience and very original, very creative. But at the end of the day, it's disturbing and you know it gets under your skin a little bit and i wasn't expecting uh i i wasn't i i didn't know exactly what i i was expecting there um here but let me hold on a second let me backtrack but you mentioned as far as it being uh not well received i guess critical reception has been mixed but it made a had the largest October opening ever, evidently. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that you know that's what you're gonna get when you make a movie about the Joker, uh, especially one that stars like Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker uh, being in its own movie. But it's not what people are thinking it's going to be. I mean, the closest movie that we can um, compare it to is a movie that came out the exact same week last year, which is Venom. And uh, they're very different. They're very different films. Um, Venom is more leans into the whole comic book aspect uh, of it. It, it. Those are two movies that are hard to compare, but you're also uh, you're it's the same thing. You're taking this villain character and giving him his own prequel story without um, having the the main character that everybody knows. Uh, so I'm not sure what the point of this movie being made was. Um, I besides let's make a Joker movie and uh you know let's uh, let's try to dive into that backstory without having Batman in it or Venom not having Spider-Man in it. I don't know about you, but I've never really liked any of these movies or TV shows where they just take one character from the mythos and not have like the main character cuz totally it, agree. It's like it's like for me, while going into it, you think, wow, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be the backstory of the Joker. When you see it, it's like, you know, it needs Batman. It's like Joker without Batman is, is not the Joker for me. And with this movie, it almost seemed like they, were, they didn't want to lean into the comic books uh, as, uh, as much as they could. Um, it seemed like they were really more interested in doing a story about a social misfit, mentally ill, disturbed person who in the end kind of takes it out on society. I don't know if they were really interested in making a Joker movie. Um, and so, or maybe they had this idea for this movie and they're like, oh no, the only way we're going to get to see this is if it has something to do with a superhero. So let's actually make him the Joker or something like that. But I've never been interested. Like they have that TV show now called Pennyworth, which is just about is the prequel about <laughs> Alfred. Like who cares about that? Seth, I don't know. Do you remember growing up? When I was growing up, there was a movie made called Boris and Natasha, 
which was about the villains from Rocky and Bullwinkle. It was just, <laughs> it was, uh, I forget who was in it, uh, but... Rob, uh, Robert De Niro. No, no, no. That he was. Oh, that was the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. movie. No, this was with, um, ah, damn it. I have to look it up in a second. But it was called Boris and Natasha, and it was about the, the villains from Rocky and Bullwinkle. And I remember I was a kid watching it thinking, why am I watching this if Rocky and Bullwinkle are not in it? And I kind of have the same thing about Venom. Uh, I, I had the same thought when I went to see, many years ago, Catwoman with Halle Berry, which, by the way, also starred Francis Conroy, who is uh, in Joker. And uh, I had the same feeling about this. It's like Joe, uh, Joker without Batman, I don't think, is, is, is the Joker. And this, this seemed to deliberately try to not be like the Joker uh, that we know. And I don't think that the Joker that they portray, I could see fighting Batman. Kind of, I had the same thing about Venom last year. Like, I don't see this character fighting Spider-Man. And I had the same thoughts about this Venom, uh, about Joker. What, did you, what do you think? Yeah, I have had the same thoughts concerning the fact that Bab's, Batman is absent, and it bothered me at first, but we can get into the story through this, but um, I thought by the end of it, I was really impressed with the way that they tied it into Batman, mm-hmm. and ultimately creating a very um, convincing origin story not only did they do that for the villain, but his whole purpose and his whole uh, effect on society is what creates Batman by the end of this. And I actually was not expecting that. I was starting to suspect, and we should I should mention this will get into spoilers. I was starting to suspect that he himself would be the one to kill Thomas Wayne, similar to Tim Burton's version but i'm happy that they didn't go a route as on the nose as that and essentially it was his effect and his deeds and his persona that created this movement that ultimately led to riots and chaos and the murder of batman's parents thus Mm -hmm. creating batman so even though batman was not present the fact that this movie fed into his creation I thought was very well done. Yeah, I, I I agree. I thought that was great. I love the I love the third act and mm, mm-hmm. the you know what they did take from the Batman mythos. I really really liked. I would have liked there to be a little bit more. And I think that actually I think I read an interview with Todd Phillips where he said there was more, but they may have like uh, I think they like toned it down actually on purpose. Uh, but I like the inverse of the Batman origin we know. Like in this movie it kind of portrays Thomas Wayne as a jerk. It it it's they almost were going to they're portraying him. Of course there's this whole class warfare thing. They're almost going after him as if he was kind of like a Trumpian figure. In fact Alec Baldwin was originally cast uh in the role. Uh and then they got Brett Cullen who actually was in Dark Knight Rises actually as Thomas Wayne. And so I like that. So how he's not he's got uh and of course uh, there's some uh, allusions with a dark past regarding uh, the Joker's mother and Thomas Wayne. And so I like how they didn't give him a clean origin story. And um, 
I liked seeing the 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 Batman origin kind of from a a different perspective. I mean, we've seen that we've seen that crime alley uh, origin so many times in different movies and TV shows, and seeing it this way was really interesting. Um, and I like the blood spatter on on Bruce Wayne in that one shot. Um, but I really liked it. And one thing that I don't know if you noticed, but Every time, and this is all spoilers. In fact, I, I, I don't know how right how writers or critics review movies without going into spoilers. But every time that the Joker like uh, kills somebody or or he dances, he's very musical, and there's so much, so many scenes of him just dancing and dancing around in his underwear. And like by the third or fourth time, I was like, why do you do this why? over and over again? But then. At the end of the movie, when everything's happening, like you said, the chaos and everything uh, has erupted, there's that scene where he's on the top of the police car and he starts dancing in the makeup. And I was like, that's the Joker. It's like, it's all mm. kind of like those those things that he's been doing in the past. It's all been kind of building up into finally, you know, this whole movie, I wasn't, I didn't really see him as the Joker until that moment where he's a, amidst all the chaos, he's in the clown makeup, and he's dancing. And I was like, that's the Joker. That's the Joker. And I, I really enjoyed it. There was, there's a point in this movie where, you know, I actually, as I watched it and got into it, I forgot that this was the DC universe ultimately. I thought I was watching New York City and then eventually Gotham is mentioned and then I realized um, (laughs) we were in a comic book film and I thought that was very interesting because, you know, a lot of comparisons are being made to, say, Taxi Driver and early Scorsese. And uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the movie is it was we it was shot in New York, and those those steps that he dances uh, on, I would like to go to. They're in the Bronx. They're on 167th Street in the Bronx, and it's a really New York movie. You know, every frame of the movie is just filled with like grime and garbage, and um, obviously the influences in this movie harken back to several of the films from the 1970s and 80s, specifically two Scorsese films. You have Taxi Driver and you have The King of Comedy, both with De Niro, both were directed by Scorsese. In fact, Scorsese originally, when they um, announced this project, Scorsese was an executive producer on this film, uh, but uh, he is no longer. And you have Taxi Driver, which is about another kind of disturbed loner, and then you have the King of Comedy, which is. Uh, did you, have you seen King of Comedy? I have not. Oh, it's it's an excellent film. You, you need to see King of Comedy. It's about a guy who dreams of uh, basically being a comedian, having his own talk show, and he kidnaps the host of a talk show played by Jerry Lewis, and uh, eventually gets his own talk show. Um, it is really good. It kind of combines uh, like the plots of those two movies. It's very, like I said, it's very Scorsese. Uh, influenced. Um, I'm not sure that all of it worked, but um, the whole realistic take on the film 
which is interesting because like the first couple of like, Zack Snyder superhero movies, that's what a lot of people were complaining of. They were like kind of too based in reality that it was depressing. Uh, and here, here you have something really, really based in reality and it's depressing, but you, you kind of wish that it was just, a, you know, a little bit more comic booky, uh, at least in, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. I, I look to see, you know, I find this movie fascinating creatively just because Todd Phillips, who directed and wrote it, you know, he's a comedy writer who did Borat, The Hangover, and Old School and stuff. So I, I find it really interesting to see that somebody was who did, you know, silly, raunchy comedies was capable of really digging deep and creating this lonely and angry and frustrated, psychotic uh, film. And I know for one thing, he basically uh, he proposed to DC that they should um, different, differentiate from Marvel by producing a low-budget standalone film. And oh my god. God, was that the best advice they ever received? Oh yeah, no. Like I said, it's it's genius. You you do a movie on a very very low budget, but because it's about the Joker, uh, people are going to go see it. And I mean, look, I, I maybe I wish that this movie was a little bigger than it was. It is a very kind of small movie. Um, Fifty-five was, million, evidently, was its budget. Okay. And Birds of Prey, I think, that's coming out in February is less than that. I think it's about 85. Uh, less than 100, I mean. It's 85 million. So they're now they're doing these smaller budgeted movies. That's probably because Justice League just lost so much money. But um, with The Joker, I kind of wish it was a, a little bit of a, a, a bigger film. Um, I think that like there's that scene towards the end on the train... I think that that could have been a, a more on the subway. I think that could have been a more interesting, interesting and, and complex uh, kind of scene. Uh, but uh, it's not. I don't think they had it in the budget to make a complicated uh, action sequence involving the Joker. They wanted truly. They don't have the budget, and they also kind of want to keep it a, a kind of a small character piece movie, which I don't know if a lot of people are gonna like. Um, you know, it's it's not what people are going to see. You know, people are going to go see it and they're going to see, you know, these kind of like semi-disturbing scenes up in, that build and build and build and a lot of scenes of him like dancing and stuff like that. And so I think it's going to disappoint a lot of like maybe hardcore fans which are looking for a, a more of a comic booky film when this is more like, you know, like it's Taxi Driver but just with clown makeup on. Yeah, I, I I don't want to alienate people, but I feel like this is a movie that if you ask somebody what's their favorite movie and they say Joker, you're really going to gauge what kind of personality that person has. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, absolutely. It's, it's and you uh, should probably search for the nearest exit immediately. Right, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, uh, it's you know, it's a movie about... And this also feeds into my uh, a criticism I have of the movie is that, and this is a problem when you make a movie where 
the main character is the villain, and you know that. And I had the exact same problem with Venom last year. Uh, first of all, Venom, by the way, I'm going to keep referencing, uh, repre um, referencing Venom. I'll just say it. Venom was not a very good movie. Um, but it, oh, it, it's fine. It's it's it, it's it's okay. You know, I'll give it. You know, it has that really good Eminem song at the end of it, which I really really <laughs> liked. Uh, but it's it's very it's very hard to compare these two movies. I'm only comparing it because they're both about a famous comic book villain, and the hero that they're the villain of is not in the film. But the problem that Venom has, the problem that I think that Joker has, is that when you make the villain the main character. You are essentially giving him the hero's beats uh, in a film, and which ultimately makes your movie about an anti-hero, an anti-hero. But it's like, uh, I, when you look at it, it's like, what's the point of it? Because it's like, if you're not going to show this person get their kind of like comeuppance, if there's going to be never, if you're not building towards anything, like this movie, we're told is a standalone movie. He will never fight Batman. Someone asked him, you know, Rob Pattinson was just cast as Batman. Is that ever going to happen, Pattinson, Phoenix? And they were like, no, it's not going to happen. It's like you're... you, you're, you Don't underestimate DC Comics' ability to ruin things. <laughs> well, also because look look at all the money that mo this movie is going to make. Exactly. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be huge. And I even thought about it because the movie takes place in the 80s. I heard a rumor that, the, that Matt Reeves' movie is taking place in the 90s. So I was like, oh, well, then that's perfect. But uh, they're uh, they're yeah they're they're pretty adamant that is not going to there's not going to be a sequel anyways with Batman anyways in it and it's kind of like it makes you sympathetic uh, towards this character who is is awful and it's like by the end of Venom I was I was kind of rooting for it kind of makes you root for Venom he's actually the hero and in Joker he's kind of the hero as well. Because, yeah, he kind of inspires people to, like, riot at the end, which is another criticism. I, I don't know how you felt, but I felt that that whole uh, sudden urge of hate against the rich kind of comes out of, like, nowhere. It comes, or should I say, it comes up very quickly, and I felt that need to be build, uh, built up a little bit more, and suddenly all these riots, they hate the rich. Um, but Joker kills those... Wall Street guys in the subway out of self-defense. I mean, two of the three, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I, I, uh, I saw this movie with a lawyer, and uh, <laughs> when the 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 next scenes uh, came out, uh, when they were like triple murder, and he was like, "No, it's one murder. <laughs> it's yeah, one, it's only one murder." And so yeah, so yeah, he kills those guys in self-defense. They're beating him up and everything like that, and also. They're kind of, yeah, they're kind of bad guys. They're kind of bad guys. And so, and by the end, he's supposed to be this, this well, we're supposed to know the, the, the Joker as a criminal, evil mastermind. And in this movie, it, it um, and, and what does he do? He kills the people that were mean to him. His mother was horrible to him. That one clown guy that gave him the gun was horrible to him he murders he doesn't kill the little person which by the way that was a hilarious moment with the door chain that was uh, and then he like fake scares him <laughs> right yeah exactly and he lets him go and because you know you were the only one that was nice to me or whatever he says and so he kills the bad people he's a vigilante in that way so he's almost 
you know, they use the word anti-hero, anti-hero, where it's, uh, and so it's, what I think would have been better, and it's hard, this is hard to do when he's your main character, and basically, whether they're a villain or a hero, when you write a movie, always your main character is always the hero character. But this is guy is supposed to be the greatest villain, and you're kind of rooting for him uh, through I, the movie. I don't know if I was ever rooting for him, honestly. I mean, I actually found it sort of unbelievable, and not to the degree that it that it didn't work completely, but the fact that the poor in the city were rejoicing over these three rich guys that got murdered, like that girl he talks to. Although, oh wait a minute, did that conversation that conversation probably never happened then? Because she, yeah. she's like about yeah the, the three pricks. Okay, because yeah, I was thinking happen. to myself like. Would would like a normal person like her really rejoice in three guys being murdered like that? But okay, that that was part of his psychosis. Oh. And that's something we have to talk about as well. That that whole section of the film. Yeah, but uh, but to answer your question, I also I I don't. I, that's the thing. I didn't buy that whole upswell of of that of the class warfare. I didn't. Sure. I didn't buy it. That it, it happens so quickly and so easily. Um, you know, they talk about how it's like crazy out there and there's a garbage, yeah. there's a garbage strike and, um, yeah, it's it, but all of a sudden it just, it didn't. And just simply because of what he does on the subway and of Thomas Wayne calling the poor clowns. So everybody dresses like clowns now. And it, it, if. I mean, you could have done it successfully. You just need to build it up a little bit more. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought uh, I thought it was, like, fairly successful in its escalation at the climax of the film with the cops pursuing him. Just the fact that, you know, I didn't know where it was going to lead from there, but he inadvertently escalates the situation by pulling his gun amid that mob. And then, of course, a shot rings out, and, of course, they are going to be st- stamped on on the ground um so i thought that it effectively raised the stakes there but the idea that the whole city is sort of like revolting in the way that it portrayed wasn't completely believable to me either yeah what what you needed them to be already revolting and his presence kind of they use then they use him as a symbol and that's when they start putting on the clown masks and everything like that and then that's when but it all it was too much too soon it was it was, it was very strange Ultimately, though, you know, I did like the and you know, I, I, the De Niro thing. Uh, look, I, I'm not sure if I kind of uh, saw that as any great climax. He kind of like kills his idol, um, essentially, uh, and then he becomes the star and he gets that acclaim that he's always wanted that he hasn't gotten from his life or his stand up or anything like that. I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. But to touch on something that you just brought up, there there is this there's this weird relationship that he has with his next door neighbor, who's played by Zazie Beetz. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Who's gorgeous, by the way. She was in Deadpool too, and all the movie because they kind of have like a relationship. At least I believe that like they're dating, and like I remember watching the movie and I was slow. I was like, why would she? with him and it was like yeah. it was driving me crazy <laughs> and then that scene where he's in the apartment and she says you know you're arthur you live down the hall right 
I just got goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, and, but you know, what did you think? Do you think that um, they should have had those flashback moments? Or do you think that the audience would have picked up on that, that none of that was real? Do you think they needed that? I I think... I I can understand doing it. I mean, I don't think um, it was just for the slow people in the audience. I think it it was necessary to show the fact that that was all in his head because it was so believable. Um, and I, I I'm I'm sorry that I didn't pick up on it earlier because whenever he talks to her, he's always so like suave. He's like he cracks like good jokes. There's that great joke about he follows her to a bank. And then, you know, she confronts him on it and he had, and she's like, uh, she's like, oh, you should, you should have come in and robbed the place. And he's like, oh, I can do it tomorrow. I got my gun in the back. You know, he's like so cool when he's Mm -hmm. with her and then he's just so weird any place else. I'm like, oh, why did I pick up on that? Like that was all imaginary. But yeah, the, I, I chalked it up to uh, bad writing. I was like, there is no right. way a girl is going to come to this creep and be like, oh, were you following me? <laughs> right. And then she's like, but she's still so uh, all smiling and everything like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's but that's another criticism I have of of what I think. And listen, if this is not what the movie was going for, this is not what the movie was going for. But I thought it was a great kind of. A, a opportunity to create this ultimate villain. Mm. And ultimately, the only thing that's going to stop this person is is the opposite, and his kind of birth also births his opponent. Exactly. And, and I don't really see him as it. They really leaned into this is mental illness with the laugh, which is really that's a great idea. That that's that's a hundred percent. That's a yeah. great idea. But the guy is delusional. Uh, he he's off his medication. I don't see and the Joker. I think from what I've read in like comics and other movies, he's a smart guy. He's like a criminal mastermind. He's like yeah. he's Batman's intellectual equal. And I don't see this nut job going up against Batman. Like this guy, he he has real problems. And he's a murderous guy, but I think that his mental illness, which is real life, it, they're really r- leaning into your sympathies for this guy. Like I said, he's the hero in this movie because you do empathize with him. You sympathize with him the entire movie. But I, 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 uh, And so they're really leaning on that mental illness, but I don't see him going up against Batman. Yeah, and also a character trait I thought he was lacking in is leadership. I feel like the Joker, you know, he's got his goons. He's got an enterprise. He's highly motivated. <laughs> and um, I really appreciate the character that they formed here. But yeah, I think some of these character traits are absent in the Arthur Fleck version. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's almost like they had this script about a, a mentally ill person who becomes kind of the uh, impetus for... Um, a crime wave, but they're like, huh, no one's going to see it unless it's a comic book villain. So let's slap the Joker on him. Um, yeah, I don't, but like I said, in that moment at the end, you know, I think that whole leadership that you're talking about, that would kind of come after uh, the movie. Cause now he has his crew. Now he has his goons at the end of the movie. And mm-hmm. when he dances on that, uh, police car, 
you know, and in that moment, uh, I I felt he was the Joker. But is he really the Joker going forward against Batman? Um, I don't know. I don't know. So the movie that this actually I thought reminded me of, and I think there are parallels, is Logan. I feel like these are two movies um, from popular franchises where they decided to do ultimately what feels like Logan feels like a standalone too, in a sense. But you know, take uh, these characters and put them in this really dark, dark, dramatic scenario where we can dive into some really, I guess, adult themes. They're both rated R. They're both very violent. They're both sort of disturbing, uncomfortable, and sad. And they're both on a smaller scale. And I think for each of them, they're the two of the best creative examples within these uh, comic book film universes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Logan is a more successful film because, you know, he's it, it is a stripped down portrayal and it's more raw and it's more real, more character based. But I still think that they have a greater sense of 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 who that character is uh, in Logan. But the difference, but it's hard to compare these two movies because one is a hero and one is the villain. And as I said previously, it's hard to do a movie about a villain, a famous villain like this one, without the hero. It's like, and for me, you can do it with a hero because a hero has many different villains. Villains can come and go, but you you always know who that hero is. He could fight anybody as long as he's still a hero. The villain, though, is almost uh, not a villain. Is it um, if if the hero isn't there? Yeah, and I I think it's interesting um, villain wise how enigmatic the Joker really is. The fact that we can we have so many portrayals of him that are all they all feel true authentic uh and their own and they're all the same character i mean from Joaquin to Jared Leto Heath Ledger Jack Nicholson Caesar Romero like <laughs> they're all vastly different but they all are the same this same enigmatic character i think the joker is you know i wouldn't be surprised if polls or uh rankings of the greatest villains of all time he's always in like the top three. Oh, absolutely uh and look you're gonna have probably i think joaquin is going to get nominated for this and heath ledger won the oscar for the character posthumously but you you have two actors who are going to get nominated for the portrayal of the same character, which is mm. is is pretty amazing. So that that speaks to how, like you said, enigmatic and um, how intrinsically tapped into the collective unconscious that this character is. Um, you know, I feel bad for Jared Leto though because <laughs> no one liked his portrayal, and I don't think that he's ever going to play that character again. And, oh darn! You know it's funny because like I hear that like he was really method on that set. He was like sending people like use condoms, and then the movie comes out and they like cut out like seventy five percent of his part. <laughs> He's like hardly in that movie. Um, but and now there's going to be like I said, there's going to be more Jokers to come because like I said, 
they have no plans to integrate this movie into any Batman universe that they are creating next. And so, which means that there will be another Joker at, at some point. So this is a character that there's going to, there's been many Jokers before and there's been, uh, many Jokers, uh, many Jokers after. Do you have a favorite Joker portrayal? You know, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because I like, there's, um, there's different things about the Joker that I like that I think, um, uh, probably I would probably go with the Jack Nicholson Joker just because that's the one I grew up with. Even though I don't know if he was playing an actual character, I think he was just playing Jack Nicholson, which Jack Nicholson is kind of famous for. But um, I love the I love the Heath Ledger Joker, um, and uh, but I would you know I would uh, I don't think that uh, we've had a uh, a. Um, uh, what's the word? The definitive. I don't know if we've had the definitive Joker yet because. Oh my God! You get out of here. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. Because How you, are you going to say that after Heath Ledger? Well, because there are things about that mythology that I don't think they incorporated into that character. That like you. I well, think, like we just said, the Joker is all of these people, and you know, there's many portrayals. Everyone thinks that there's like an archetype for their favorite character, when in truth, you know, that character is made had so many phases that are each as true as the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I just, uh, I, you know, I like. I, I, I don't know. I like. I like how he had the card face, but uh, I didn't like how he painted it. I wish he, that he fell on Axis Chemicals in that movie. And then <laughs> and Jared Leto, he fell on Access Chemicals, but he didn't have the card face. Uh, so, all right, yeah, there are but, uh, important parts of their origin that I, I can see. But it's like meeting. when I, you know, when I look at the comic books, I would like to see little, a Joker that looks like that, like the the um, the archetype for the Joker initially was this silent film actor in a movie called The Man Who Laughs, and that's what all the drawings of the Joker are based out of. And none of the ones in films have ever looked like that. Uh, that really sharp, thin face. Uh, and which it, it looks... I should be the Joker. You do. Yeah, you could. You could. The, I just, mean, my face is the only thin part of me, but I'll do it. Right. And I, I, I would like to see a portrayal like that. But that's, once again, that's only like looks. I mean, performance-wise, yeah, Heath Ledger is probably the best. And probably will be the best, but, you know. Like, um, comparing them, Heath Ledger, I, I, The Dark Knight was one of those movies that I still remember watching and just feeling anxious the entire time because here's this almost supernatural force that could spring into action anywhere and his only intent is anarchy and destruction. There's no reasoning with him or anything and I thought that was so I mean, that just speaks for the film as much as for his um, performance. But uh, Joaquin Phoenix, I just felt uncomfortable the whole way through. And I think he's very good at that kind of performance. Actually, it reminded me a lot of his performance in The Master because he was super uncomfortable in that. And he was just like the biggest on-screen creep you'll ever see. Yeah, no, I mean – I agree. I think there's definitely a difference, though, than, than just being. I mean, he was super creepy in this movie, super yeah. creepy in this movie. But 
it's 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 very hard to compare these two jokers because they're really playing two different characters like sure. i said the one from the dark knight is kind of like a mastermind he's got a you know he says he doesn't have a plan but uh he obviously kind of does have uh, at least a semblance of a plan in that movie and this guy is just like a crazy just disturbed uh individual um who you feel sorry for because he has his backstory is so dark and he has this history of mental illness that he cannot control and what happened to him is you know not his fault and um unfortunately you have a character who's just trying to like be a good person uh in the in the movie but like society and forces beyond his control are kind of just making him uh this crazy murderous person and um by the end of it uh like i said you you kind of feel for him and that's it's it's very hard comparing the two jokers it's it's just it's just they're just not the same character yeah i'm trying to think of uh, other movies in which the entire time the the main the protagonist if i can even use the word protagonist but the main character is borderline villain anti-hero to borderline villain I mean that's sort of taxi driver he's I think a little bit more palatable than Henry Fleck Arthur Fleck but um I'm trying to you know I have a little bit recollections of this movie called uh Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer have oh, you ever right. heard of that Yeah 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 I think that was similar with like just an uncomfortable ride through this individual's life in being a psychopath and i think uh yeah joker will uh live on as that movie you watch if you want to feel uncomfortable for two hours well i'll tell you what did you watch did you watch that movie with zach efron where he played jeffrey dahmer oh no i did not that is and that's a movie where they try to make you sympathize for this horrible uh person serial killer and you kind of do at parts and mm. it was a very strange perspective they decided to take with that film but that's that's uh that's beside the point tell us what was it like being audience member number four sitting just a couple rows in front of the joker himself oh it was you know I had to really get into character that day i've never just sat for hours and hours um, first of all, like I, I, I've done background acting like every so often. It's like, I only do it for like extra money. It's hate. I hate it. Like people, when I tell people that I've like been an extra in stuff, people are like, wow, that's so cool. It's like not, it's like really miserable. And, uh, so I, I don't recommend doing it maybe like once because you're only going to just like wait around for like hours and hours on end. And luckily I, I've been able to like insert myself into like a lot of big movies. So uh, I was in this past summer, I was an extra in West Side Story, the Spielberg remake, that'll be out next year. I'm also in The Irishman, uh, which comes out next month, which we'll be, I assume, reviewing on this show. This is not the first Irishman you've been in either. It, correct me if I'm wrong. You're, how colorful. <laughs> you, sorry, you set me up. There you go. Uh, and so, uh, and so I, you know, I got into Joker, and so I was in uh, the scenes with De Niro uh, in the the live with Murray Hamilton uh, scenes, and which was interesting because it was also his first day on set, and that was the day 
that he was sent a pipe bomb by some crazy uh, person, and uh, which was weird. Uh, and then that's a good omen for this movie. I just I know say. right exactly. Like it's a movie about a crazy loner, and a crazy loner tried to kill one of the actors in the film. So you're doing first, it right. At first, I was thinking like, well, I hope that no one knows that he's here. Or else there'll be a pipe bomb showing up at this studio in Brooklyn where I am at. And then the second day that we shot, they had like already caught the guy and like De Niro like uh, released a statement. And I'm like looking like at De Niro at the same time. Uh, but yeah, they they sat me like two rows in front of in Joaquin Phoenix, and so you, I'm very visible in the film. I'm not wearing my glasses, so I look like naked. I look really weird. And. Uh, but just to be around him, he was super creepy because he's just so thin. And they shot that scene, that little dream sequence, like a million different times. And like it never never seemed like there was any change uh, with any of the, the lines that he was saying. He was saying the same, ta- same, ta- the same way every time. But then the other scene, and it was funny because... De Niro always came in like dancing and they had, they had to get him a choreographer to teach him this dance as he as he walks in and he could never get it right. It was just funny watching the choreographer teach De Niro this like little intro dance. Then the other scene that I'm I was there for but you can't see me in is I was also in the scene where the Joker comes out at the end on the show. And he Joaquin Phoenix did that entrance like a million different ways. One way he did it was uh, there's a little like cityscape behind where the actors are sitting and uh, they all look over at the curtain for him to come in and he appears behind them uh, in the cityscape and then he climbs through it and onto the set. And I believe there's only one take I witnessed of him kissing the, the, the woman playing like a Dr. Ruth type and that's the one they ended up using uh, in the movie. But... I was there for the first part of that scene. I was not there for when they, spoiler alert, uh, killed De Niro. That I guess they shot on a different day. But I was there for when they um, he starts going through his journal and starts telling jokes. And he told other jokes that time. But one thing that I noticed that was absent from the film is a major part of the backstory that they did not include in the movie. Is that in the movie... Uh, when you find out about um, uh, his backstory, which, by the way, I believe, I don't know how you feel, but I believe that he actually was uh, Thomas Wayne's son. Um, you, they find out that he was abused physically as a child. But what they don't really get into, which this scene kind of alluded to, is that it was um, his mother's boyfriend who abused him. And there is a scene when he's uh, on set with De Niro and De Niro is interviewing him, where I remember this specifically, he says that, you know, I just found out that, well, my mother died, uh, and I just found out that growing up, her boyfriend repeatedly raped me. Um, And that was not present in the film at all. Oh, wow. And and I was watching those scenes when he goes to Arkham Asylum, and uh, he's looking through the... The guy is looking through the, 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 the files and he reads the files. And there was, they say abuse, but they don't mention sexual abuse. And they mention that he was found tied to a radiator at some point. But apparently what was originally intended is that his mother's boyfriend was abusing him physically and sexually. And he brings that up uh, on the, 
uh, on the Murray Hamilton show. Uh, and so I was like, oh, wow, they, they decided to cut that out. That was a little too much for this R-rated uh, movie hmm. that, that, to allude to that the, the Joker was raped repeatedly. And uh, when I heard that when I was sitting there uh, in the audience watching, I was like, oh, wow, they're going really dark with this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, there's some insider info that, uh, you know, of all the, I think there was about a little less than 100 audience members in that scene. I don't know how many of them have podcasts. But, you uh, heard it here first, folks. You got some insider dope there on uh, some stuff that happened inside uh, in in that movie that was not in the film. So there you go. Thank you, thank you for that story, Justin. You're welcome. <laughs> um, well, I guess uh, that probably uh, concludes it. Correct? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, so like, wh- how would you just basically rate this? film you 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 liked it but you seemed to like oh if i had to give it a grade probably a b plus yeah yeah i would be in that camp but do you think that he's going to get nominated for for this film well um i don't have any other uh contenders who would uh boot him off that five person list is that how many they do yeah yeah, I think he's got a good shot. He, yeah, he. I think he's worthy of it. I think. I think. I think the way it's going right now, I think he'll definitely be. I think he'll definitely be nominated. I don't know if he'll win, but uh, I think he'll definitely be nominated. Well, there's if you like the movie or not, there's no way saying that he didn't give an amazing performance. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I think he elevated the material, like maybe. It, it, he, he, I think, not a great script, but he really made it better with his performance. How interesting would it have been if they cast Christian Bale as Joker? Because I was just, yeah, I was just thinking of uh, Joaquin's like physical transformation, or maybe he's always creepily skinny and gaunt like that. But you know, Christian Bale can do that on a on 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 a whim, so he could have done really well too. Yeah, they've both done like back gone back and forth um uh in terms of like weight but you know you never know you know it's interesting we didn't we didn't talk about how this ties into like the greater dc universe how they're making these other like small films that are not like interconnected like this like this is unabashedly not a part of any universe building that they're trying to do um it's not the jared letter leto joker like they'd even they didn't even want jared leto for this it was like joaquin phoenix from the start um, and that, you know, this actually just kind of makes me, uh, I like that they're kind of like not going the Marvel route. They're kind of just like taking what works and just like giving them their own movie. I hope that this means that we've had the Ben Affleck Batman, we're already going to have a Robert Pattinson Batman that's not connected at all to the Ben Affleck Batman. I hope that that means that one day we could get like a, probably like a Batman Beyond movie set in the Tim Burton universe with Michael Keaton as Batman. That would be awesome. I've been sorely disappointed with DC and it's just been embarrassing for them to to, to just watch 
watch them try to copy Marvel's success by just taking their formula and not doing any of the work, not building up these characters into this universe with, you know, great writing and directing and standalone films. And it has been flop after flop and just, yeah, terribly embarrassing. So I hope this is a sign of things to come because, yeah, this is the most creative and interesting film that's come out of the DC universe in I don't know how long. I did like uh, Aquaman, though, (laughs) but I'm a big James Wan fan. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Matt Reeves, uh, he usually does not disappoint. So I think that uh, he'll probably have something interesting up his sleeves. And um, Birds of Prey looks very visually interesting. Uh, So I'm I'm, uh, I'm interested to see what they do with that movie. But I also said the same thing about Suicide Squad as the trailers for that that movie were exceptional. (laughs) But yeah. Let's see if they bring in the trailer company to edit this one like they did that (laughs) that's right that's right they did do that yeah yeah well is that it sir uh hopefully that was uh off beat and inkling enough for you and uh welcome back welcome back baby all right folks well thank you for joining us if you've lasted this long then you're obviously on our short list of best friends or else somebody who's about to become one. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back at you on a regular basis. And it looks like El Camino will probably be our next gathering for a podcast. So, you know, look forward to that. I'm uh, Seth Colgrove signing out. I've been Justin, audience number four. Check me out. Adios. Adios.